Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to 1 Samuel chapter 17, the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I am entitled our Bible study today, The Battle Belongs to the Lord in 2023. And that's the year we're up against. And if we delivered this in any year, it's true on every day of every year. Listen, the battle belongs to the Lord. Just say it with me. The battle belongs to the Lord. It's important that we grasp that. Even as we're entering in with this freshness and this newness, the battles we're facing, the situations that we're in, the difficulties that we have, the people that might be against us, whatever it is, the battle belongs to the Lord. And it's important that we recognize that our perspective matters. How we see things how we process things, what we choose to meditate on, what we choose to think about, what we choose to take in and to receive, it matters. And it especially matters when we're facing difficulties or trials, or as we see in the text today, the giants in life. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is the age-old true story of David and Goliath. And it's unfortunate that David and Goliath has been relegated to a Sunday school class for children. And although I do believe children need to learn about the victories of God at a very young age, we can't forget that we are still God's kids. And we need to be reminded too of the victories that are ours by faith when we face the giants in life. So we're gonna approach this text in a very applicational way. We're gonna take the truths here and apply them to our lives. But from a broader perspective, understand we're dropping into a time in the history of the nation of Israel where the enemies of God, the Philistines, a people group, are coming to destroy the nation. They are wanting to, as the enemy of our souls wants to stop Messiah from coming. And they get to a place where they have come to say, okay, we will offer one person on either side, and it's a winner-take-all battle. And on the one side, the Philistines, they offer up their giant of a man, Goliath. A real man who stood nine feet plus tall. Some believe nine feet, nine inches And on Israel's side, well, they have been captivated by a dread of fear. And no one wants to fight Goliath. And David, when he comes being sent by his dad with resources for his brothers, when he hears of the fear, he comes with such great faith and courage that he steps into the gap. And it's from David's life that we learn of courage and faith and strength, and hope. And it's from David we learn that the battle belongs to the Lord, no matter how big the enemy is. And it's from Goliath that we learn that we all have our enemies, and we all have things that are much bigger than we can handle. 
And so Goliath, this Philistine giant, is standing there mocking the nation of Israel and ultimately mocking the God of Israel. He represents to us the mocking enemy of God. David, he represents a couple of things to us. Not only does he represent seeing things with the right perspective and faith, but we also learn from David, he becomes a type of Jesus to come. And so what we see in David, you're going to see in a greater way by faith in Jesus Christ. Today, we want to be reminded that the battle belongs to the Lord. He's our defender. He's our rock. Or as this has been illustrated all throughout the Bible, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20, it says, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there because our God will fight for us. Some of you today need to accept that truth, that the battle is not yours and you will not win in your own strength, in your own wisdom. The battle belongs to the Lord. And what has happened to us? <laughs> followers of Jesus. What's happened to us where we think that we're stronger and smarter than God and we start to take things into our own hands. What has happened? Lord, forgive us. It's been 40 days of mocking and taunting by the time we get to verse 31 here in 1 Samuel. That's where we're going to drop in. 40 days of taunting and threats. It was such a heavy time. Notice verse 24 with me. It says, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man this is Goliath, fled from him, ran away from him, and they were dreadfully afraid. And that's the atmosphere, fear, anxiety, running for your own life. These were men that were set to defend the nation. These were men that were set to protect the weak. These were men that were set, maybe even some military, military training that they would then stand in the gap and fight for righteousness, fight for justice. But the events in their lives, the situation that they're facing has caused them to be dreadfully afraid and they run away for their lives. With that in mind, notice in verse 31. When the words of David spoke, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. What were those words? David came and said, I'll go fight him. You guys are all afraid? He is, we're not gonna let this mocker get away with it. When they heard that, they took him to Saul. Now Saul is the king, the leader of the nation at this time. So they bring him to the king in verse 31. And it says in verse 32 that David said to the king, to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Which, by the way, is a truthful statement. He's just a young kid. He's probably in his teens right now. Goliath is a man of war and a large man of war at that. And so there is some truth to this. You know, the truth, hey, man, you're just a kid. You can't go fight him. And, and notice he says, uh, as he explains, he says, you're but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. David said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant, verse 36, has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go 
and the Lord be with you. David stands there with great courage and confidence because he comes with the right perspective. He comes in a place where in his youthfulness, he has a purity of faith in God and in the power of God. Not only does he have a purity of faith, but he has the experience of faith. As he looks back to being entrusted with the flock, he was a shepherd, he was a shepherd boy, and he was responsible for the sheep. And he thinks back to the times where God delivered him before. And you know, again, we're reading the Bible and we just kind of put it in some distant time. But I, I mean, you gotta, you gotta accept what it says here. This kid was protecting sheep against lions and bears. That's his testimony. I mean, that's what he would be sharing. If he ever doubted God and wonder if God come through, he would think back, oh yeah, I remember grabbing that lion by the beard. Like, you know how close you have to be to grab a lion by the beard and kill it and to protect the sheep. And nobody's going to mess with the sheep. And, you know, if David came in, you go, oh, I already know what he's going to, he's going to tell us about the bear. We've heard about the bear a thousand times. But the bear to him was the faithfulness of God and the power of God and the strength of God. And the bear reminded David that the battle belonged to the Lord and it would encourage him. You know what? You guys have stories too. You have stories you can share. You may have forgotten them. You know, we get into the day-by-day mundaneness of life, and you may have forgotten the faithfulness of God, but you know, the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your mind. I, I don't think about this every year, but this year, for some reason, it was significant to me. I don't think about it hardly at all, quite frankly, because God did such a great work in my life. But I was thinking this year, in particular, this new year, I woke up one day last week and I was just thinking, you know, I'm gonna enter in a new year I'm going to enter in another new year for the 31st time sober. Like I'm going through a new year and I'm not going to be partying all night and drunk and getting in trouble and wondering who I hurt and all the damage that I was done. And it reminded me of the saving power of God. Like, I don't know what I'm going to face this year. I don't know what's ahead for me. But I remember God says, you know what? You don't have a lion or a bear, but you have a story yet the delivering power that I have done in your life. And I I guess I forget it from time to time, but it's pretty significant as I hear testimony after testimony after testimony of people that are in bondage. And I'm just here to remind you that God is ready to deliver you and win that victory that you haven't been able to win in years. Well, David had a bear and he had a lion. So this giant, it's just the progressive victory that God's gonna give him next. You know, because I was, I'm also reminded with the lion and the bear that everything you're going through right now is preparation for what's up ahead. Preparation for what's up ahead. So you're battling on the line right now and that's, man, that's amazing. And like, oh my, what, what can God do bigger than that? Well, then he sends a bear. You're like, oh man, all right, all right, what can God do? Then he sends a nine foot Philistine, but he doesn't actually send him to you. He sends you to him. You know, a lot of times the enemy of our souls loves to get us on our heels. We're very unstable when we're on our heels. If you try it one time and you're like that, you know, if, if I brace myself and you come and try to push me, if, I, if I'm like this, it's going to be very hard for you to move me. But if I'm on my heels, you can just flick me in the forehead and I'm going to fall over because it's a very unstable place. And so a lot of times we're viewing all of our battles like, like they're coming at us, they're coming at us and coming at us. But there are those times when God says, no, I've got a battle for you and I'm sending you right into it. And I'm gonna be with you every step of the way. 
And you're gonna need to remember the lion and you're gonna need to remember the bear because not even that nine foot giant is gonna be victorious in your life. And you can stand against him by faith. That's perspective. We wanna be able to see things by faith. I think that's why Jesus also tells us, he teaches us that we're to be like children. We're not to be childish, but rather we're to be childlike. Because, you know, as we get older, we get a little rough around the edges. We experience a few bumps and bruises. And, you know, maybe some of you need to, to, to really admit this today. Like, you become very callous and hard-hearted. And you don't really trust God like you, do, like you used to in the beginning. You don't really lay it all in line anymore. You know, at one point you could say your life was, I'm all in. But today you're not so all in. Because life has its way of hurting us and callousing our hearts. And so one of the things you can do with a new year is just like, Lord, soften my heart. I want to be able to stand before the enemies that just constantly mock me and come against me and the difficulties that seem to even chase me. I want to be able to respond to them by faith. He had the right perspective. And you know what I've found is that when we lose perspective, the most predominant emotion that pops up is fear. Faith and fear. When we stand by faith, fear takes a subordinate role. But when we lose faith, it seems like fear overcomes us. And then we start talking, well, we will never win and we will. And like the children of Israel, they run away. We're out of here. Instead of running toward the enemy, they ran away. Now, if we were there looking at this, we would have to check our perspective too. Because, you know, it's not always our battle. It's not always our battle. Sometimes we're watching someone else's. Sometimes we're observing. And I think if we were all there, I mean, we have to admit, if we were all there, nine foot giant that's got all his armor and his spear and his javelin, and he's a, he, he is like Saul, man. He's a proven warrior, like King Saul said. And then a little 16-year-old kid that has, as we'll see in a moment, a stick and a rock, and we're putting money down, you know, we're, we're, we're taking out our phone, don't do this, but you're pulling out your betting apps, whatever they are, I don't even know what to call them. It's like, all my money's on Goliath. All my money's on Goliath. No, those are the wrong eyes. Your money needs to be on God. He's the one that's going to come through. Just in case you guys hear this somewhere else, I am not advocating betting at all on Goliath, all right? Delete the app right now. You have a chance right now. Just delete it. Use that money for the glory of God. Just in case. But you get the point. If we're dropping money down at the fight, Goliath, Goliath, that's the wrong perspective. David understood that because it wasn't a battle between Goliath and David. It was a battle between Goliath and God, the God of David. And if you're going to put your money down, put it down on God every day of the week. He is faithful. We learn. We learn. This is an impossible situation, right? We've learned throughout the Bible that God is able to make a way where there is no way. You can assess it and set it all up, but God is able to give victory in seeming defeat. As a matter of fact, there are times when we've experienced defeat and we think all is lost, but we forget that God works all things together for the good, for those that love him. And those that are called, even defeats are used by God. Nothing is wasted. 
Well, you know, Saul sends him in, you know, I don't know, in verse 37, oh, go ahead and go. What kind of leader is that? That's a different Bible study altogether. But notice in verse 38, so Saul, he, maybe he's a little embarrassed or, you know, afraid. And what does he do? He puts, with David, he puts on his armor, his own armor. It's like, if Saul's not going to go to battle, he's going to put it on David. He put a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail, and David fastened his sword to his armor. And he tried to walk because he hadn't tested them. But David said to Saul, I can't walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Now, there's a, there's a whole Bible study in this of being who you are and following God who you are. You can't go in, uh, serve God with someone else's armor, someone else's gifting. That's a different Bible study. But I want you to notice here the different perspectives. David is ready to go to battle by faith, trusting in God. But King, the leader of the nation, wants to send David into battle trusting in armor. You know, for some of you, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. God has been working on you a long time to pull away everything that you're trusting in instead of him. And it's situation after situation after situation where where he's trying to pull away the layers that have been built up over the years where you just refuse to trust in him and cast your whole lot into following him. Someone else's armor doesn't fit and the work of Saul's hands doesn't fit this situation. David's not gonna go in with armor. That's not how he's gonna win. He, he needs the right perspective. And, and you know, you're looking at this, it's just like the psalmist. The psalmist is looking at life around him that we read today in Psalm 73, and it's not fair, it's not right. Why are they getting away with this? They mock you, God, and on and on he goes until you get to the middle where he says that word, until it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, until I was in a position of worship, until I was in a position of submission, until I was in a position where I put God in the right place, then I understood. And you want understanding today It only comes by the eyes of faith. It won't come any other way. You come to that place of worship and that's where understanding comes. Now, notice in verse 40, it says, David then took took off the armor and he took his staff, which is basically a stick in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones. And if you guys are Bible students, some people ask why five smooth stones? Well, a possible answer is found in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Goliath has brothers, so perhaps he's thinking of taking them out too, uh, but he has five stones, and he put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand. By the way, this sling is not some toy uh, slingshot that you buy in Walmart somewhere. This was a tool of the shepherd. And it was, you could say it was a professional sling where he would use it with a rock to, to take care of predators, you know, scare away if a sheep was, was wandering off. He, a shepherd could be so precise, they'd they swing this around and shoot that stone right in front on the nose of that sheep to get him back. So it was a tool. This was a tool. David's a tool. The rock is a tool. This professional slingshot's a tool. His staff is a tool. He's just taking, this is another lesson. You just bring to God what you have. That's it. Just bring him what you have. It's all going to be used by him anyway. So oh, what good is a stick? Take it. Ah, uh, what is I going to do with a few rocks? Get them. Put them in your pocket. Put them on your belt. Get your sling and be ready for the Lord 
to act. And so he does that. And notice what he says. It says in verse 41, So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore his shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. That's a strong word in the Hebrew, Old Testament, written written in the Hebrew language. It's a very strong word that means to look down on someone or to mock them. That's where we get the idea that he's mocking. And let me just say this. Anytime you take a step of faith toward victory in faith, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be encouraging you including maybe the person that you're dealing with. Like you're wanting to resolve something. You're wanting to do something right. It's like big life change. I've been going my life one way and I just know God wants me to go in another way. Don't expect everybody to like it and expect a few people to make fun of you and mock you and look down on you and make fun of you in your faith. It's really, you got to steal yourself to, to keep your eyes on God, trusting him, that he's leading you and guiding you. And so it makes sense. He's trying to make fun of him. Notice he says in verse 43, the Philistine, his name is Goliath, says, am I a dog that you're going to come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And he's trying to intimidate him, trying to scare him. And this is here, a commentator made a really good statement on this. And let me quote, intimidation. That's our major battle when we face giants in our life. When they intimidate us, we get tongue-tied. Our thoughts get confused. We forget how to pray. We focus on the odds against us. We forget whom we represent. And we stand there with our knees knocking. And I wonder what God must think, he writes, when all the while he's promised us, my power is available. There's no one on earth greater than me. You can trust me. David lived a very simp- by a very simple principle. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose. He didn't try to impress anybody in the army of Israel. He didn't try to impress his brothers. He didn't even try to impress God. He ran to meet Goliath. And that's where he's at. You can't stop a man or a woman living by faith. It's impossible. You can't intimidate them. You can't scare them into inaction. Faith deals a death blow to that kind of stuff. Notice what David's answer was. Goliath tried to scare him and intimidate him. Look what David says in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I'll strike you and take your head from you. And this day I'll give you to the carcass, I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth so that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. And verse 47 is where we get our title. Then all the assembly will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he'll give you into our hands. And so you got this young man just circling all these things in his mind, all the past victories, all of God's faithfulness, the intimidation. Not only does Goliath nine feet, nine inches, but he's got a dude in front of him with a shield. So it's two coming against him. And David's like, I'm having none of this. God has sent me on a mission. And I don't care who's before me. I don't care what comes up. I'm gonna remain faithful, loyal, and courageous to God. 
And you can't intimidate a man or a woman like that. Try as you might. Which reminds me of the New Testament equivalent of this. There is a a New Testament equivalent of the power of God. Let me show you just one example. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8 with me. This is kind of like the pinnacle of the Bible, but also, if not the Bible, the pinnacle of the book of Romans here in chapter 8. It's such a chapter of victory, all that's available to you and me by faith in Jesus. And then check this out in verse 31. This is where David's standing, and this hasn't even been written yet. This is what David's living on. This is what he's feeding on. This is what's fueling him in verse 31 of chapter 8. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you just need to hear that today. Now, of course, there's a few of you go, well, God's for us. There's a lot of people against us. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying if God's for you, you never have any problems, never have any difficulties. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. If God is for us, then who can be against us successfully? Because of course, Jesus taught us that if the world hated him, that you will face hatred following him. The closer you are to him, it seems the more difficulties you're going to face. But the declaration is, what are we going to say about all these great things that he just wrote about in chapter 8? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And you can even personalize this. You could say, if God is for me, then who can really be against me? no matter how tall they are, how loud they are, how long it's been, whatever, whatever it is. It's, in so, and it's very important today, <clears throat> every day, but especially as we enter into a new year, it's very important that you understand that God is for you, not against you, by faith in Jesus. Because it's so easy. I, I was sharing recently with someone difficulties uh, that I've been facing um, for many years now, but as I'm sharing them, I'm sharing this one, and I'm sharing this one, and I'm sharing this one. It's like layer upon layer upon layer. And I'm like, oh my, man, this is serious stuff. I don't think I've thought of them all in one sitting in a long time. Just boom, boom, and then boom, boom. And he's like, okay, about number four, you're like, how much can a guy take? Well, then there's four more. Boom, boom, boom. And then I'm reminded of this text where if God is for me, who could be against me? I mean, if I'm walking by faith in Christ, then whatever he's allowed in my life, it's for his glory. It's for my good, but it's for his glory. And I think at this time in a Bible study like this, because it's so powerful, but also so simple, some of you may hear me and think, well, you know, Ed, why are you minimizing what I'm going through? You think it's no big deal. I just get a rock and hit it. Look, I'm not, look, I'm not minimizing what you're going through. And I don't even know the extent of what you're going through. I think in my life, I don't even know the extent of what I'm going through. But I'll tell you this. If God be for us, who can be against us? You can trust him. You can trust him with that wayward child. You can trust him with that, that person that's come against you at work. You can trust him with that finances are falling out. You could trust him with your singleness. You can trust him with your marriage. Even if you have divorce papers at the court, God can still work. You can trust him. He can change hearts. He can turn things around in an instant. It's like, until I got into the sanctuary, then I remember God is so faithful. He's so reliable. 
Because it's easy to live life with all these layers, like woe is me, God is against me. Going on, another thing, another year, another problem. I don't even want another year. Another problem, more problems. I'm done with problems. I'm done with giants. I'm done with difficulties. Well, so am I. But they're a part of life. I was listening to a Bible study on the way in last night for service. A friend of mine, pastor in Florida, just pulled out the app, picked a random study. And one of the things he said was so good. He was talking about our culture and how easy it is to walk away from the simplicity of faith and just play the victim card. And he began to talk about how even believers, you know, they just take that position of being the victim, being the victim. And he elaborated on it a little bit, but he, he really emphasized that. And it, it, it ministered to my heart because I was thinking of what we're, what we're studying today, and I was thinking of this, and it just gave me a new statement to think. If, if you choose to play the victim, you won't experience the victory. They, they don't go together. If you desire to let all these things, woe is me, look at everything's against me. And that is a familiar feeling. You could feel that way. But if you choose to play the victim of all that's happened to you and all the difficulties, you'll never experience the victory that's yours by faith. Victory takes care of. There's only really, truly, biblically, biblically one way out, and that's by faith. Trusting in the Lord. I find that David here, of all that he's faced and all the difficulty he walks in, he's just going to go right at it. He doesn't live, oh, look at me and what a difficulty. He's like, look at everybody running away. Someone's got to stand up. And that's the kind of strength God wants to give you. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to have issues. That's life. Christian sin, unbelievers sin. We all stumble and fall. You know, and I think we have a different perspective. Sometimes we're just like, oh, you know, I'm such a failure. No, 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 no. There's no shame in wanting to do what's right and still falling on your face. No, you take your failures to the Lord and you let him teach you through difficulty, through trial. You know, when we stumble and fall, we we need to remember God is not just waiting for a moment for you to fail so he can pounce you and crush you and destroy you. You know, kind of, we kind of, you know, live like God is kind of a Santa Claus figure. You know, he's making a list and he's checking it twice. He's going to find out in the room, you guys are all naughty and not nice. You know, whatever, like so dumb. It's so dumb. I don't even know why. Stop it. Like the reality is, is God loves you. Send his son, Jesus Christ to die for you. Whether you're naughty or nice, whatever. Live your life for him. Turn your life back toward him. Face the giant head on. Don't play the victim. Walk in the victory that's yours by faith. God is not against you. God always, the Bible says, again, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, God always leads us in victory in Christ. Always. He's here to strengthen us and help us. So what happens with David? Notice, he says, verse 48, so it was, When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He didn't run away. He ran toward. Notice, David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He slung it, struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed against the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Mark those words. When you fight, 
God's battles, God's way, you will prevail. That's what happened with David. So David prevailed. You want prevailing faith? Then trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll direct your paths. The victory is yours by faith. So he prevails, struck the Philistine, killed him. There was no sword in his hand. So David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out and killed him. Cut off his head with it. Now, again, we read the Bible like, like this is this guy. I'll take the lion and the bear, but I want the guy's head. And that's what he does. And the Philistines saw their champion was dead and they fled. Now, again, we, the timing of all this, we don't know exactly how much time passes. But for the sake of our moment here, it's only been half hour. It's only been 24, you know, 24, 25 verses. Remember back in verse 24? Goliath intimidated the nation. They were dreadfully afraid and they ran away. And now within 25 verses, within a few moments, within a half a day maybe, who knows, just this, this little young man of faith, now what's happening with the Philistines, they're running away. And let me just remind you, things can change very quickly. Not just for the bad, but also for the good. Things can change very, very rapidly. And the mechanism that often change comes is through a woman or a man of faith. You want, to surround you, with peop- you want to surround yourself with people that believe God. And let me just say, you want a few people in your life that believe God more than you do. So they encourage you and they strengthen you. And they just always have something to say, oh, woe is me. And then your friend comes, woe is you. And they go, psh, psh, psh. oh, sorry, sorry about that. It reminded me of an episode with Marie and I years ago, close to uh, after our son passed away, she invited a a woman out to do a, a women's tea around Christmas time. And this woman, Margaret Ashmore, came out, wonderful woman of God. I was there because we as men were serving the ladies that night. So I was there at the table and she wanted to get to know us and we, didn't, we never met her before. And, and we're giving her a little bit of our testimony, what's been happening in our life and kind of the sorrow and stuff we were going through. And, uh, and we kept using a phrase that Marie and I had used so many times that I guess we didn't realize we were using it. And so God sent someone all the way from Texas, flew her all the way out here to sit at the table. We were right in this area right here. I remember it like it was yesterday. And she's looking at us. She let us talk, let us talk, let us talk. And then when we stopped talking, she said, you know, I think you're, uh, you, you guys don't realize you're using a phrase. And I go, well, what is it? Just, we were saying this. We were saying with the situation, we'd give the difficulty and then we'd say, well, we just have to believe God's going to do something. Then we give the difficulty. We just have to believe. We just have to believe. She says, you keep saying you just have to, and those are not words of faith. You just have to. Why aren't you trusting him? Well, we know we have to, but why aren't you trusting him? And we're like, can you go back to Texas? We, no, we did not. We did not. <laughs> no, because you need someone in your life that's going to look you in the eye and go, do you hear yourself? What do you mean you just have to? Don't, start, don't just have to. Trust him. Cast that to him. And it was revolutionary. It was a turning point in our life. We're not, we don't just have to do anything. We can trust him in this situation. We can, and we will. And I'm sure you have some of you. need people in your life that are going to tell you the truth. They're going to look you in the eye and share the truth with you. And the victory comes. David prevails with the stone and a sling. And he cuts his head off. 
Verse 52, when the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron, the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Shaharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. The children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered the tents. Things turned around very, very quickly. A couple more things before we leave and before we have a few songs that Pastor Ian's chosen. He said, man, it's so beautiful how we're going to end today. But many times we have to realize that God doesn't use ordinary means to solve our problems. He uses supernatural means to solve our problems. Well, the ingredients might be normal, a rock, a stick, a person, but victory comes in supernatural ways. Oftentimes, supernatural ways that lived out in the natural, which is why we take so much credit for the work of God in our lives, as if we did it. Well, you know, I read the Bible, so I'm a so much better person. You're a better person because God is making you a better person. And yeah, it's good to read the Bible because God's going to strengthen you and it's going to be beautiful, but it's the work of God in your life. It's not what you have to offer. You just give yourself and you won't measure all the little things you do because you've given yourself. You see, we have to remember that God is at work because here's the default. So often when I face a problem, when maybe you as well, when I face a, a, a huge situation, I'm always looking at natural ways to solve it. Ways like God's done it before. Like, like if it's a financial issue, I'll get my calculator out and I'll look at this, this, and this. And what about this over here? And this, this, this. And then maybe I'll come up with a, with a solution and a plan or like, oh, I feel so much better. Except that there are times when I also get the calculator out and the numbers don't add up. <laughs> It's like, oh, what's wrong with my calculator? I got an iPhone, not an Android. What's wrong with this thing, man? It's supposed to, what's acting like an Android right now? It's like, it's not measuring up. <laughs> and we start to trust our own wisdom. Like we got it all figured out. And you know what happens? What happens? God doesn't use conventional ways. He uses supernatural ways. He doesn't save by sword or spear. I'm looking for human ways and I get discouraged and I'll even despair because I can't figure it out. And so much of it's outside of my control anyway that I don't have any control over that. I just have to trust in the Lord. Again, I was thinking of episodes in my own life to share with you to illustrate these things because I'm telling you, I have used things in my life that have caused great problems, you know, because the devil is always trying to get us in the flesh. You know that. So we just take this all on flesh to flesh. Just take things into your own hands, you know, with your words. So you yell at someone or you say something or maybe your letter, you're going to write that letter. That'll take care of it. Or send that email. That always works. Or how about on I-25? I'll get back at you. Ah! Oh yeah, that helped the whole situation, didn't it? Honking at everybody, scaring the lady next to you, mangering the guy in front of you. That really worked. And I remember a time where Difficult, difficult situation, still with us to this day, but in the early stages, I got a really nasty, mean email. I mean, pages long. And I took that email and I wrote back a response for every single point and I edited it and I put scriptures in it and it was just exactly what I wanted. I, I was in my office at home. I sent it to Marie. She was in the kitchen and I said, honey, look at this and edit it and I'll send it as soon as you're done. And I hear from the kitchen, don't send it. 
And so you know what I did? Click. I sent it. And let me just tell you, it made things worse, not better. Even to this day, it would have been better if I would have remembered that God doesn't save by sword or spear or keyboard and beautifully written emails. Because not everybody thinks what you have to say or what you're writing the same way you think about it. And wouldn't it be better if you just stayed quiet and trusted in the Lord? You see, God uses supernatural ways to deliver. There may be an occasion where you send a note or you have to have hard words. That's not the point. The point is, is that you can't take things into your own hands. The devil wants to get you out of the territory of faith so that you take things into your own hands and he's just gonna wipe you out, man. You're toast, it's over. It's better to stay in the spirit, right? The Bible says as much. Second Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare are not human or in the old King James, or New King James, not carnal, but they're mighty in God, casting down arguments, The weapons of God cast down other people's arguments and accusations. You can trust him. Yeah, but Ed, you don't know what they're saying at work. I don't, but just trust the Lord. Just trust him. And you stay focused on what God's doing. So I love this. I don't care how impossible, how big the giant is. Just like David, he prevails. So Pastor Ian and the team are gonna come up as we end today. I don't want you to leave. I want you to just take a deep breath. I got a couple things to share with you and then... Uh, we have a few songs that the Holy Spirit has for us. A really cool way to end our service in this first one in the new year as well. But I have two things I want to share with you. If I had to sum up and I only had, like if I had to do this in an elevator, right? If I had to do an elevator talk, this is what I tell you from this text. Number one, get your eyes off the problem or off the giant. It'll never lead you. Like you're just staring at Goliath. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the more attention you give, the more attention you... Samuel, described as a Philistine giant defeated by the young David in single combat. Do you want me to keep reading? Absolutely not. Gosh. When I ask her things, she doesn't tell me. I don't want anything to do with her. She's trying to take my stage. What the? <laughs> okay, okay, number one. You ready? All right, they're gonna, it's gonna start singing for you next. Watch. Hey, Siri, re- sing a song in replacement of Ian. Sure. <laughs> All right. Number one. Man, now I'm starting to sweat on that one. <laughs> Get your eyes off the giant. Haven't you, haven't you found that the more attention you give to your problems, the bigger they get? The more blinding they are. Something so small like your finger can block all of your eyesight the closer it is to your eye. And it's really important that you learn to surrender your difficulty, your problem, the people to the Lord daily, moment by moment. That's what Jesus meant when he said, abide in me. Get your eyes off your problems. Stop giving it so much attention. Or as we said earlier, be super careful that you don't become the victim in the story. You're not the hero of your story. You know that? Jesus Christ is our hero. He alone is faithful. And when you get through this, And when you process it, you know, when you get through, the Lord is going to show you his faithfulness and you're going to give him the glory for great things he has done. And number two, 
not only do I, am I asking you to get your eyes off the giants you're facing, but secondly, I want you to remember this. God is for you and not against you. That is your heritage as a follower of Jesus. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? He who is in you is greater, exceeding joy, exceeding greatness of his power. The strength of God, the power of God, the abilities of God are all yours by faith. And when God is for you, no giant can stand, no problem can continue. There is nothing too big for God. The battle belongs to the Lord. Say it again with me out loud. You ready? The battle belongs to the Lord. Let's stand together. We're going to sing these songs as Pastor Ian leads us. If you as David will get your eyes on the Lord, you can go out in the name of God today and the giants must fall. You have to know that there is a victory for every foe in your life. And may God grant you that victory today as you leave here in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.